0: This is Munaf Manji of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, and this is the Patriot Sports Radio. Make sure to tune in.
1: This is Patriot Sports Radio.
2: Patriot Sports Radio.
1: <laughs> Fed up with the national talking heads and biases of mainstream sports media. If it's sports, from the high school level to the pros, we're talking about it. Like the red-blooded Americans, we are. We are.
3: God bless America. God bless America.
1: God bless America. Let's do this. Here's Eric, John,
4: Chris, and the coach. Welcome back, my friends. If you're new, then welcome in. Patriot Sports Radio Football Edition. My name is Eric. I'm your host. Damn glad to have you with us. And thank you for your reviews. They're sending us to outer space as planned. Good news. We're all one day closer to week one. Producer Chris is out today. Coach had a meeting, but I have John and Angela here with me. So we're doing a show. Not to mention, I booked an incredible guest. So if you think I'm going to reschedule this guy, fucking think again. Usually Chris brings the guests or coach sometimes. I don't usually really bring many guests to the show, but this is somebody I've wanted to get on here for a little, for a while. So without further ado, what is a do anyway? Probably whatever I'm doing right now is considered such. Joining us. From the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, your favorite handicapper's favorite handicapper and possibly the nicest man in the industry. He's the mayor of Green Dot City, this guy. You may know him as the host of the NBA Gambling Podcast, the MLB Gambling Podcast, and my personal favorite, the PropCast, back for another season. Go subscribe to all of those. I think you get by now why they call him the machine, off Manji.
0: off, welcome to the show. What a name. Ah. Uh- yeah, it's uh, it's I guess as well earned. I guess I can say, uh, but no, thanks for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's 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 the calm before the storm, I guess we can say, right, Eric?
4: Yes, absolutely. I wanted to catch you before the season starts and uh, the schedule gets crazy. Also, this gives us a chance to uh, maybe talk some season long NFL props. Since you know you went seventeen and seven overall last year, thirteen and zero on the unders. Is that good? Is that profitable? I think it is.
0: Yeah. I think I set the bar too high in our first season of the <laughs> prop So hopefully we can follow that up.
4: <laughs> I first met you in the SGP on Slack a couple of years ago when you were just giving out NBA winners every single day. Like It was my routine. I'd come in from my lunch break, check the Slack, what's Moonoff got going on, literally Googling some of these players because I don't know what team they're on. I had no business winning those bets and I still did. So thank you very much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> 100%. It's always good to give back.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I talk about sports betting, but our audience understands that I'm not this super sharp handicapper guy. I mean, I'm betting 30 to ones on a regular basis. There's a chasm <laughs> of knowledge and experience between guys like guys like me and a real life sports handicapper like yourself. Um, these, these two don't really gamble. And our audience I know is curious, <laughs> they're interested I uh, don't talk
2: about my gambling, let's put it that way
4: Oh, okay <laughs> yeah. So I thought we could just do kind of a uh, talk it through, talk props, do a little a little 101 type stuff but, uh, Let's get the no moon off first a little bit, huh? I should let my co-host talk a little bit This is Angela, hey. and that is John, the dude with the headband They're solid human How's it beings going?
0: It's nice to meet you guys. Uh, well, I mean, if they're not even not they're not better, they're still sports yeah. fans, right? So that that's why we're here. We're here to talk about sports and and try to make some money. That's just what it is. So this is great
2: for me because uh, as a <laughs> professional numbers guy, the last thing I want to do when I come home is is look at more numbers and do all the calculations in my head. So I've never been a huge gambling person. It's always been interesting to me, but it's one of those things where I feel like I missed the boat on 101 stuff and so i like to bet futures for mlb and then golf uh there's a lot to it that can seem a little bit intimidating that i haven't asked and quite frankly at this moment i'm too embarrassed to ask when it comes to gambling so this will be great for me
0: this a wise guy once told me and and not 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 to put it as a a cliche there but um he said, "There's no, there's never any stupid questions when it comes to sports betting because the sharpest of the sharpest guys that are that do this for professionally that live in Vegas, like it's still a learning process every single day. Like for myself, and I guess we can say every better out there, it's you're learning something new every single day. So mm-hmm. I've always, I, I get a lot of DMs. i you know, my DMs are always open to help people out, and and it's always about you know, just just giving back. It's and people always forget when we're, we're betters, it's always us against the books, mm-hmm. like you know." that that's like the public enemy number one Are the sports book like we want to take them down so you know whatever whatever it takes to help fellow betters and and learning the process about it i mean that's what we're all here for so you know 100 here to help so kim never any stupid questions
2: yeah i i think uh one of my big gambling fails was i did a deep analytics on zach levine three-point shots and uh spent about two hours on a saturday just running the numbers and then gambled it and lost. And I was like, well, what the hell am I even doing?
3: <laughs> I think the whole idea of it is exciting to me to try to start and learn about it a little bit more so than I have. Cause I've always looked at it as like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a sports fan fan, like a fan purist. And I was like, if I start betting on sports, it'll ruin it for me. And I don't want to bet for my pocketbook. I want to root for my teams and my people. And then I was like, you know what? Aww. I
2: think this could
3: be pretty exciting actually. So <sighs> I'm looking forward to learning a little something today. I got my pencil notes doing it. Yeah.
4: It's pretty exciting on Sunday night football when Jalen hurts rushes for that extra five yards and brings home the five (laughs) leg parlay. It's pretty exciting. (laughs) It's pretty exciting. When I'm Googling, does a sack negate rush yards? (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm.
4: So, Munov, when did you start betting sports? Was it before online betting? And if so, what was your method? I'm I'm always interested in these stories.
0: Um, yeah, so my stories may, may not be as extravagant as maybe some other people have, but my first official bet it was actually online, and you know it was uh, a Super Bowl, and you know every year people have the get-togethers, Super Bowl parties, and you know they're picking sides on who they think is going to win and things like that. So. This was a Super Bowl with the Arizona Cardinals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm, um, 43. The Steelers won that one, I believe. Yeah, they did. So we were you know, going back and forth about it, and you know, we were arguing. I was like, hey, why don't we just put some money down on it and see what happens? So, I mean, at, this was when I was maybe 17, 18 years old, don't know what the hell I was doing. So we just Googled up some web, uh, web, uh, websites, and, and we said, hey, you know, sports betting, and I think the first site that came up was like sportsbook.com or sportsbook.ag. So, you know, we deposited like $50 in there. And I thought the Cardinals were going to win that game. And I do remember, I think the spread was minus seven. The Steelers were favored in that game. And I, I at that point, I didn't know anything. Like, I didn't know what a money line was. I didn't know what a spread was. I didn't know what a total was. So I, I just went to the Cardinals row and I saw a plus seven and, I, and they asked you, you know, hey, how much you want to wager. So we put in the $50 and it said, okay, you're going to get back $45 and 45 cents. It's like, well, that's not really worth. That's not really worth the money for me. So then I was like, then I went over the next column. It was the, it was the money line. And I think they were like plus plus one ninety or, or something extravagant. Uh, they were heavy underdogs. So I put the 50 in there. So I was like, okay, here's the maximum payout. I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. So I, 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 I submitted it. Lo and behold, they ended up covering the game, but they covered the seven. I think it was like a 23-20 or 24-20 final. They covered the spread, but unfortunately, they didn't get the... I
2: remember that one.
0: Yeah, they didn't get the outright win, but that's kind of how it started for me. But, I mean, growing up, I've always been a sports fan. Um, You know, as as a young kid, like, when you're 10, 11, 12 years old, you have that bedtime at 9 o'clock. And for me, like... For, for, for me for my parents like our our lights went out for me and my brother I, at nine o'clock and, and baseball was still going out at that point especially when you're you know in the central zone you're kind of right in the mix whether west coast games are going on or you know the teams in your state are still going on so i had like a headset with the radio where i would just listen to the radio call till the end of the astros game and that's kind of how i just fell in love with baseball baseball is my favorite sport to watch um and as crazy as that may sound to some people but uh, Yeah, baseball. I love baseball, basketball, uh, Eric, you know, NBA and then, you know, NFL as well. And honestly, I really didn't get into NFL maybe till about five years ago, which is a crazy part for me. Um, I know it, we'll talk about this later about the, the super contest and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I actually didn't get into NFL till about maybe five years ago. But that's kind of how I, you know, came into fruition for me. So wait, you're an Astros fan. So I am. I'm actually live in Houston, but I'm a huge Red Sox fan. And I get the question all the time, how did I become a Red Sox fan? So here's another story I'll give to you is that obviously my first initial starts with an M and my dad, I guess at a store, it was at Walmart or an Academy. I don't know what it was, but he brought home an, uh, uh, a hat for me that had the letter M on it. And at the time that was when the Minnesota Twins yeah. had that had their as their logo. And I kind of just looked into it and at that. I think this was back in maybe God when they... Had David Ortiz on the team before they, you know, let him go to the Boston Red Sox, and I fell in love with David Ortiz for I don't know what reason it was, but I just started following David Ortiz, and David Ortiz went over to the Red Sox, and Manny Ramirez was on the team mm-hmm. at that time, and those two kind of paired up, and I just kind of fell in love with the at the Red Sox, and and I, I support both teams. I was at the game uh, on Tuesday night when the Red Sox and the Astros were playing each other, but I'm a huge Red Sox fan, a huge Dustin Pedroia fan. Um, But, yeah, those are the two teams I do support. Uh, It's always great when the hometown team is good, um, cheating or uncheating-wise, however you (laughs) want to take that. But, yeah, a huge Red Sox fan.
4: makes sense. How did you get involved with SGPN?
0: Yeah, Eric. I mean, like you mentioned, one of my buddies. Um, so I, I used to listen to different podcasts about you know betting and, and trying to learn and things like that. And there was a one that I would particularly listen to. But one of my buddies would actually listen to Sean and Ryan of SGP, um, and you know how they handicap games and, and things like that. And I and I tuned in, and he said, like, "Hey, check these guys out. You know they're." They're pretty cool. They keep it very casual and, you know, they, they like to, you know, bust each other's balls and things like that. So I listened to one episode and I was like, these guys are the most unprofessional people (laughs) that I've ever heard handicapping games. And at that point, I think they had a Slack channel going there, Eric. And I just joined just like, you know, just to see what people are betting on and just have conversations. Um, and then, you know, I slowly started, you know, getting into the NBA channel, the NFL channel. Um, and that's where I started dropping plays in there. And, and like Eric, like you just said, you know, it it really just came from being in that Slack channel with uh with SGPN and and um at the time Ryan McKee was the one that started the NBA gambling podcast. Uh and in its heyday, it was called, I believe the NBA it was called NBA odds or something it was like something that. Else. Yeah, it was something else before they actually started having like soccer and golf and NBA and all those other pods coming out. So Eventually, you know, Ryan McKee made the jump over to another company to Action, and he needed somebody kind of to take over um, and and be the host of the NBA Gambling Podcast. And, and fortunate for me, and I always say this to anybody, I always talk to like Ryan McKee is the one that really, you know, jump started my involvement with. Put- not only SGPN, but getting behind the mic and, 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 you know, talking about sports and, and gambling and betting and things like that. So, you know, there's always people out there that will open the door for you. It's just, you know, you just taking advantage of those opportunities and walking in. So that's how I really got involved with, uh, SGPN.
4: And now you're that guy, you're that guy help, reaching yeah, over, helping not, the yeah, other gamblers over the wall.
0: <laughs> no, it's, 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 you know, we've, we've built a great team with the NBA gambling podcast. We started the MLB gambling podcast, Last uh, last year, actually, with myself and Malcolm, we've expanded to two more young superstars this year. And you know, hey, Eric, good. you know this as yeah, they're, they 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 know their stuff, and that's why we've we brought them on. And you know, me and Malcolm are kind of you know think of ourselves as the OGs, and and Malcolm's always called me the old guy when he's <laughs> like forty plus years old, and I'm only thirty four years old. So, uh, but no, having those two guys, it's it, it, it's it's been great. And again, you can see that that SGPN is just growing.
4: Yeah rapidly now i mean big things going on over there my first impression was because i had checked out a couple different shows i decided that i was going to start betting sports i was going to make the move from dfs to to sports betting because mm-hmm. it's like why am i getting this lineup 90 percent right to win seven dollars i could bet the overs on every guy in my lineup and probably go six mm-hmm. and two you know and yeah so I'm like, I need to learn the language because, you know, Moneyline, I don't know what this is. I don't know what teasers are. So I started listening to various shows, you know, RJ Bell and some of these other guys. And then I found Sports Gambling And <laughs> My first impression is, was, why are these guys betting on so many bad teams? But <laughs> that's what you want to do, I learned. Unders and bad teams are actually pretty profitable. So I listened to them for, I don't know, six, eight months before I started, started placing bets. And that's, that's what I would recommend to uh, the Angelas and the Johns of the <laughs> I'm world. I'm taking notes. Sort of listen to, a, <laughs> listen to some gambling shows for a while before you put real. What I did was I started picking games and seeing if I would be losing
0: money or not. And
4: I quickly realized I needed to find people like off to just copy their homework. <laughs>
0: that's- and Eric, I, I, I used to listen to, I still listen to RJ Bell. I mean, you know, they have guys on there. I mean, some of it's very high level stuff. But that's how you're going to learn. And, and that was the pod that I was referring to earlier when I was talking, hey, I listened to the other podcast as well. Some, and I think Bet the Board is another great podcast that mm-hmm. you guys can listen to, Um, you know, high quality stuff, X's and O's uh, type of stuff on there. But and that's how you're going to learn, you know, you, you learn from other people. And I think that's something that I've learned, whether it's, you know, with running a business or anything else in the world, you know, you, you're going to learn from other people and you just got to find those, you know, those people that, you know, are good at what they do.
4: Yeah, you've definitely found those people. Like, uh, it's like yeah, good to John, know. It's <clears throat> right good to know
2: because I think one of the things that, um, is kind of turned me off to it is uh, I won't say any podcasts or anything like that, but to be honest, some there's a lot of unlikable characters <laughs> in gambling where it's like, man, I don't really want to listen to this douchebag, uh, Homer talk about his team the whole time, you know, um, that's been my experience. So it's good to know that there's good podcasts out there where it seems like the guys um maybe aren't ESPN, which is good, but also maybe yeah. aren't guys that you think probably have um a, a lot of priors.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean we have guys on SGPN. I mean Eric knows this, Sean and Ryan, that they'll support their teams. Like it's anti cowboys over there, but they, they're smart. they're smart. They're you know, they're smart guys. They you know they they've they've started and I've noticed this from over the past two years that they they've started uh, putting trends into their handicapping and things like that. And, and that's why they've been successful at what they do and not only running a company that's based on sports gambling, but you know, you, like I said, you're, when I went, when I was talking about how you learn from other people you know, you sometimes don't want to listen to just one podcast. You probably want to, you know, listen to two or three different ones. See if you've missed any information that could help you in your handicapping or a bit, you know, making a right pick because the best, the best people in the world that do this they they hit at a fifty five percent clip. Like if you're hitting fifty-five percent, you're gold. Anything above that, you know, you should be doing this professionally. So, you know, that's the number that you kind of keep in mind is at fifty-four to fifty-five percent.
4: Yeah, Sean and Ryan are are smart guys, and it's a great mix of the gut handicapping, the situational handicapping, and the actual analytics and data. Sean's always talking about letdown spots and whatnot, and and Ryan's talking about the Pythagorean theorem. So <laughs> yeah, it it, wor- it works well. Uh you recently talked about shifting focus more to player props. I couldn't be happier about this development. Um that means more for me to tail. Uh but I have to ask what brought this on from half sides and totals to half props to you
0: said what like 70-30 now? Yeah. Something around there. Um, you know, and you know this, Eric, so I I I've had a lot of success with player prop betting, whether it's been NBA. I actually got into MLB actually this season, you know, um, but NFL last year was really great for me, um, not only on season long player props, but a weekly player props. You know, the, the articles that I was writing for sportsgamblingpodcast.com, um, I think both in NBA and NFL, I finished around 56, 57% on player props. And I think that one thing that, you know, that I made that decision is because when we, we, we talk about you know, the money line, the spreads and the totals, I think the books are more sharper and are sharper when on those lines. So the edge that you're trying to find may be very minimal, but when it comes to prop betting on player prop betting, you know, like John talked about, you know, Zach Levine threes, uh, but there's just, it's just a big, big menu on player prop betting that the books are not going to be able to keep up with every single player and every single category. So, and there was times, John, where Zach Levine was hitting those three point shots and it was going over the total. Um, I'll give an example. Last season, at NFL, <clears throat> the one player prop that was cashing and this, and that this was an automatic bet that I was putting in within the first eight weeks before the books actually caught up was Justin Jefferson's longest, complete, yep, longest completion. Over 25 and, from, and a half of it yeah yeah and at the beginning of the season it it was around like twenty one and a half twenty two and a half and he was clearing that number until the books finally caught up to it and you know fortunately for me I've developed you know friendships with you know the prop queen Errol Epstein she's been on a couple of MLB pro uh, shows she's been on the prop cast hopefully we can have her again for the uh, for the prop cast this season as well but just having you know learning from her i mean there's there's and I don't want to you know get off course here but there's 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 females in the in the space of the betting industry that a lot of men are. I, I don't I don't have the ter- correct terminology. I guess turned off because it's a female. But mm-hmm. some of the sharper or the sharpest people that I know are actually female handicappers, and I've learned a lot from Ariel <laughs> Epstein as far as prop betting, and 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 she's incredible. She's so nice. You know, she's like, hey, DM me if you need anything for me, and, and she'll respond. And, and it's been great. And, and you know, those are the type of people that I respect. Like, hey, if you ever need anything, reach out. But going back to your question, yeah, prop betting. I mean, the, like, Eric, you know, like when we were talking about in the Slack channel, there's, you know, points you can just bet on. Points, rebounds, and assists. Assists and rebounds. Westbrook, uh, Russell Westbrook, when he was with the uh, Washington Wizards, his assists and rebounds were going over the total like, almost every single, single night it was point. at like 20 and a half and he was getting like 23, 24, 25 every single night. So I think the key for me has been is that finding those hot trends where the books haven't caught up to it and just absolutely just pounding uh, those, those player props. But I find it more fun when it's on player props and player prop betting versus, you know, full game, you know, money lines, team totals and things like that. So, you know, and I think that's really where my expertise, I guess I can say is in prop betting. So Hopefully this year on the propcast we have another great year, but yeah, Eric, to answer your question, I feel like I want to go more over to, uh, prop betting versus, uh, versus, you know, side totals and, and, uh, money line bets.
2: Looks like Eric dropped off for a second, but I got some questions on your NBA prop bets. What are some of the things that you're going to look for coming into this next season? And before that, do you have a prop bet on where Kevin Durant is going to land if he lands anywhere else?
0: Yeah, Kevin Durant, him and uh, Kyrie Irving have been the hot topic this year, right? Um, you know, from from everything that I've read on Twitter about Kevin Durant, I mean, the the initially when he made the trade request, he wanted to go to either I think it was number one was Phoenix, yeah. <laughs> and I think the other team it's slipping my mind right now, but I think it was,
2: was Miami. It Miami, I don't, was it Miami? I, I heard yeah. Miami.
0: Yeah, so those were the two teams that you know were kind of. Um, where I thought he would go. So it, when it comes to a player like Kevin Durant, who is what we can say he's a top three player in the NBA, John um, it's going to take a monumental trade package for him to be traded to one of those teams where he wants to go. So, right? so
2: what maybe five teams have the value to be able to do a, an equitable swap.
0: Yeah. And I think Boston, we I think over the past two, three weeks was the team that was rumored but I think John, one thing that kind of derailed that is the trade that happened with Rudy Gobert from Utah to uh, to Minnesota, because of the just how how much draft capital the Utah Jazz were able to get from the Minnesota Timberwolves, and I think mm-hmm. that's kind of where everything derailed. Because if you're going to trade Kevin Durant, for let's just, and I'm just throwing an example to to Boston for Jalen Brown, yeah. a Derek White, or, and or a Marcus Smart, and only three first round picks, well, that's not going to be good enough. Uh, if you compare that package to Rudy Gobert. So from what it seems like right now, what I've read about Kevin Durant is that he's, he is meeting with uh, their owner, Tsai to mm-hmm. kind of figure out things and, and wh- where they are as an organization. My gut right now is telling me that he ends up staying in Brooklyn. I feel like Kyrie Kyrie already came out. Yeah, he came out and said that he's going to stay at least for one more season. Um, you know, but maybe at the trade deadline is where Kyrie probably gets traded. But I think that... Kevin Durant at least stays, uh, at least in uh, Brooklyn, at least for at least one more season to see what happens with Kyrie Irving. Yeah, for a guy who's pretty,
2: I mean, he can be a little bit impulsive with burner accounts, but a guy who seems pretty calculated, I thought that was an odd move and um, it, it stirred up a bunch of dirt. Over, over something that really should have been handled behind closed doors. And um, But enough about Durant. Um, what are some of the props that you're looking forward to? I know it's early, but I'm a big NBA guy. Uh, I'm just kind of curious what, what kind of stuff you're looking at this upcoming season.
0: Yeah, I was hoping and praying that Westbrook would get traded uh, to <laughs> one of those teams, like you know, whether it was San Antonio or uh, if it was Indiana. I think those were the two teams that were rumored. Mm-hmm. And he could just kind of go back and just you know collect his bag and and just get those triple doubles again uh like he was when he was with the washington but honestly uh john I haven't really dug into n b a yet but you know just off the top of my head last season uh deAndre Aiden rebounding was a big one for mm-hmm. for me um another one was um buddy healed the uh, assist tyrese halliburton mm-hmm. um assist as well and i think tyrese halliburton is going to be one of those guys this upcoming year where I'm really going to be targeting his points, rebounds, and assists because now with Malcolm Brogdon uh, being traded to uh, Boston, now he has the keys to that offense. So I think that's going to be one of those guys I will be looking at at least early on in the season till the market does catch up. Uh, one of the guys in the second half of the season uh, right here in Houston was Jalen Green uh, for the Houston Rockets because um second half of the season they sat down Eric Gordon, they sat down Christian Wood, um, and he was pretty much the offense and he was going over his points projection every single night until the market finally caught up to it. And now he does have the keys to the offense, right? He does have, he's going to be that, that wing scorer, that prolific score that the Houston Rockets drafted him to be. Um, so I think that's another guy that I will be looking at. Um, the one market I do want to keep an eye on because Dejounte Murray did get traded to Atlanta Hawks is going to be the assist prop for Dejounte Murray. Now that Trey young is going to be playing off the ball. And probably points prop for Trey Young. So just kind of off the top of my head, those those are kind of the ones that I was be uh, was uh, you know kind of targeting in my head.
4: He'll talk NBA all night if you let him. I want to get back <laughs> to women in the industry. You brought up some interesting points. Um, I don't think a lot of these women are getting the respect that they deserve, and nope. especially on social media, they're getting you know treated badly sometimes. Oh yeah. What What do you think? Is it just guys suck a certain percentage of us, and uh, you know, (laughs) how do you feel about how many of these women are in the industry? Because through SGPN, I found Katie Mox and I found a bunch of these other women that I didn't know were out there. Like, what do you think the the ratio is? I see a lot more lately.
0: Yeah, and you know, sometimes gets to an awkward conversation because like you said, Eric, like it's it's guys that get into some of these. That reply, like, let's just say a, 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 you know, one of these, these ladies in the industry give out a bad pick. Those guys are <laughs> going to jump on into their replies and then their DMS and, you know, cussing them out and saying, you don't know anything about sports and things Girl like don't that. Know right? sports. <laughs> yeah. And, and that kind of ticks me off, man, because I've, I've had the pleasure of being on not only, you know, doing a pod with Katie, uh, with Sean and Ryan, where we're doing the NBA finals preview, but she actually brought me on to her, uh, pod. Uh, I think it was last week with with yep. bets, and you know sh- I've seen that she's grinded her way to you know she was with SGPN doing some voiceover stuff to being with uh, MSG Network and now being with Omaha Productions and having her own betting show. And you know sometimes a lot of these guys get into the DM and say, "Hey, you you just got hired because you have blonde hair and, and you have a pretty face," and and you know sometimes that may be the case, but. I've, I've had the fortune, like I mentioned, I with working with and potting with the prop queen, who is one of the sharpest, if not the best prop betting person I know. Uh, I've had, uh, and Minty, you know, Minty Betts has been a lot of the podcast that, you know, she's a regular friend of mine and she's a personal friend of mine and she knows her stuff. She's great with, you know, MLB. She's great with football, F1. Uh, she's she's a huge fan of NHL hockey. You know, these these ladies know their stuff. And because, man, like you said, there's a certain perc- percentage of, that think that just because she she's a lady, she doesn't know sports. That it's a guy's thing. Well, you know, I think they're completely wrong about that. And it's some of the closest friends that I have in this industry are actually ladies. And and you know, I, I just feel like they need to get their flowers. And 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 they're in a in, in a betting industry which is dominated by men, and it's not easy for them to you know be in an industry where there's a lot of ego involved. And and I'm sure you guys see it on gambling Twitter that there it, it's it can be a toxic place sometimes. And yeah. When you you know, when you're adding ladies into that and if they give out bad picks, those guys are going to jump on them and, and cuss them out and get in their DMS and, and things like that. So I, Eric, you're right. Like that, that they need to get the respect that they deserve being in, an, in this type of industry. And, and it's sometimes it just sucks to see you know, what guys kind of say to these ladies where they just need to get the respect. And it's
3: obviously not your job, right? But like, it's, I'm going to thank you for being a person who supports them because unfortunately, you know, even if they have a track record that speaks for themselves and there's, you know, women haters out there, it takes guys like you to support them and make it normal so that those a-hole guys will say can be like, oh yeah, Yeah. they're cool, you know, and accept them. It's, it's ridiculous, but that's what it takes a lot of the time. And so I think it's really, really cool that you're supporting them, obviously. I mean, they're helping you, but vocally supporting them and actively supporting them.
0: Yeah. And Angela, it's crazy to say that we have to normalize it. Like, why do we have to even have that conversation just because it's a male dominated field? Sure. But you know, uh, regardless of gender, if you're good at what you do, you you deserve the respect and 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 um, you know you deserve your flowers. And you know it's easy for some men out there, like Eric said, there's a certain percentage where they just disrespect women. And and you know you know some of the greatest guests that I've had on my pods, I've, like I said, it's been Ariel Epstein, it's been Minty Beds. I've been fortunate to work with Katie Mox and those ladies. They deserve their flowers. So you know if, if if whoever listens to this pod, like give the women the respect that they deserve being in this industry.
2: Yeah. You know, I can see that because I don't know how many times I've been watching a game, and uh, it'll be at a bar or something, and then a woman will say like, "Oh, that guy sucks." What's his name? And I'll be like, "His name's Mitch Trubisky." <laughs> like, there's.
3: <laughs> I <did that>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> It's. Uh, I. I think um, men have a uh, an unconscious bias to use the the tagline uh, towards. Certain teams and, and things like that that women don't. Like when I see the Browns, I've got so much history of knowledge with the Browns. It's like, oh, the Browns suck. Well, actually, they don't. They're a stacked team, or the, right. like the Bengals. And, and I think uh, an asset that a lot of women have is that they haven't had um, emotions tied into watching sports for the last since they were 10, because a lot of them kind of pick it up, I would say, later. It's not something. Sure your average girl sits down and watches a, uh, a baseball game with her dad, Angela being an exception. But I think there is an asset to um, not having years and years of, <laughs> of information, maybe bias your, your opinion. Cause I know if I see a, a spread or something on, and it's a team that I know has always sucked I, sometimes that, that can influence my decision when really it's not based in reality. It's based on uh, something that, I thought about years ago.
3: I know a lot of time for me as a woman, like I know a lot about specific sports, hockey in particular, but you know, there's many times where I would have something to say and wouldn't even bother because I don't want to even deal with that part of the argument. So, you know, like she probably doesn't know what she's talking about, even though I grew up in a hockey (laughs) Like, Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
4: That's why, you know, we, we thought after a few months, we're like, God, we're just we're just four dudes sitting around talking about football. We need a girl in here. Like we need to get the female perspective. It's important. Yeah. You know, the NFL for years has been pushing or promoting the sport to to the female demographic. Like you say, it's us against the books. The bigger the team, the better we're going to be. Um this will segue nicely into I want to talk about the human side of it because I don't think a lot of people think about it in the moment or possibly at all. I know you take it hard when a bet you recommend doesn't hit. And I know the SGPN community is, you know, a group of very solid people. But how do you deal with with the assholes? Is there an overreaching motto or a a mantra that you repeat to yourself to remain so chill and positive? Because like you were saying, and like Angela had already noticed, you're you're a very positive, supportive dude. And on social media, where a lot of people are toxic, you're trying to balance that out with just a lot of positivity and encouragement.
0: Yeah. And again, you know, like I said, it it is a tough space being in the betting industry because when there's money involved and sometimes when people are watching these games and alcohol is involved that, you know, it, Mm. it, it, uh, it rubs people the wrong way when they don't make money. But, you know, I, Sean and Ryan have always told me that we're doing this and it's, it's free, right? Like the content that we put out, the pics that we put out uh, on our Twitters or know on the the website that we do use tally site that we put out our picks for free um and you know if it is a paid service i would understand people getting upset because they're putting their hard-earned money into you know someone that they think is a sharp better but um you know for me like sports betting you know it's a roller coaster ride right you're gonna have your ups and downs and and you i always keep the the mentality that don't get too high on the highs and don't get too lows on the lows because you know it's sometimes it is streaky and just the fight has always been about finding that consistency, and you know a lot of times we have gotten you know people into our mentions and have tweeted at us, "Hey, you suck. You don't know what you're talking about, and you cost me X amount of money." Well, you know, I I, it, I used to let it bother me, but I had conversations with you know people within the betting industry, and you just they said you just got to let it roll off your shoulders. And at the end of the day, what's going to happen is that because maybe you had one or two bad days, or maybe you had a couple bad weeks, those same people are going to come back for your picks again, because what do you you like tonight? Yeah. And, and I've had that happen in my DMS and, and, you know, they've, they've said they don't like my picks and then they come into my DMS asking, you know, Hey, what do you think about this? I typically do not answer them. Um, that just old because, shitty
4: message is still hanging there from the last time they said something to it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then uh, I try to keep my, I do keep my DMS open. Um, you know, I mean, I don't have that many followers on, on, uh, on Twitter, but which you know, is criminal. Also, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, no, it's nothing. I like I, and, and, you know, people say, why don't you only have 1500 followers? I don't, I was like, I don't care about the followers. I don't care about the, you know, the, the fame or, or whatever. It's just, you know, it's us against the books. I just, if you're betting money, you know, if it helps you, you know, pay for a vacation or pay for an engagement ring or, or whatever the case might be, and you know, I'm happy to help in and do that. But in, in betting, and I think that even in you know professional sports, they always say, when you throw an interception, you got to have a short memory and just move on to the next bet. And, yeah. and you, you go back and look, okay, did you, did, was there something that you missed in your handicap? that, you know, tilted it one way or another because a lot of times luck is involved and sometimes you lose by the hook, you lose by half a point or a point and, and it's going to happen and it's going to crush you. But one thing that have was well, some somebody always told me is that sports books are 99% obligated to put out a line or a bet on on sports that are going on. You as a better have the option of not having to put uh, of, of you know, putting down money and betting that. So no, I, I try to keep it positive, um, on, on my Twitter or on SGPN and in the Slack channel and now the Discord channel. But, um, you know, I just let it roll off my uh, roll off my shoulder. It, it doesn't really bother me much.
4: I like to reply to those guys when I see them bitching at you about a pick with maybe a photo of my daughter on the paddleboard that I bought her with the Harden yeah. parlay or. <laughs> Maybe just talk about a light bill I paid once. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't understand where people get the balls to trash other people's picks. I think it takes a lot of courage and, and self-confidence to win and lose in front of everybody. Yeah. And and all these people who are making comments, none of them are posting their picks. It's like, it's the same thing. Like it's always a lazy person who says it must be nice. It's It's the same, same mentality. All right, we got to get into some I'll sit here and fanboy out. We'll get into some picks a bit later, but I'd like to get some advice on how to approach a super contest. I did one on uh my bookie last year, got my ass kicked. I'm entering one with our buddy Will over at Game On and mm-hmm. we're going to be doing a companion pod with it sort of discussing our picks. Um and I have, you know, a couple criteria I like to look for letdown spots, thanks Sean. And you know, non-conference home games or non-conference road games, shit like that. What are there some hard and fast rules? Are there some things that I should never do or should always do? What's the, your general approach to a super contest, the marathon of it?
0: Yeah. So I think that one thing that I have, um, so I did, I, my first contest was back in 20, I want to say it was either 2016 or 2017, the super contest at the Westgate in Vegas. And um, that first year was actually my first year of actually being in NFL and NFL betting. And a lot of guys that I I talk to say that that want to get into these contests, I I tell them is that you're going to learn so much about betting by entering these contests that you may have not known before. Um, But as far as like, you know, following, I mean, there's no really... rules to it but for me I always try to look towards finding the underdogs especially early on in the season because you know um we don't know what teams are actually going to look like because there there is going to be value on underdogs uh one rule I also did have when I learned when I first started betting is never lay double digits with the road favorite no matter how bad you think the team is um you know if if you see a i'm just going to throw an example let's say the rams are a two touchdown favorite over the Houston Texans like I'm there's no way despite how great the the Rams are uh, as a defo- defending Super Bowl champs and how bad the Houston Texans might be, I'm not putting minus 14 down or minus 13 and a half down on a, on a road favorite because we've seen crazier things happen in in NFL where you know not only do they cover the number or they only lose by a touchdown but they get the outright victory. Um, so my advice would be hey don't look at those double digit road uh, favorites early on in the season try to find underdogs um, you know you also kind of want to think uh, because they a lot of times you get into these contests whether it's in the Vegas contest or on, on one of these sports books Vegas uh, you know circa and and super contest do a really good job of telling you what the top five consensus picks are of that so what's the most picked games and and you're just hoping and praying that your games are not on that top five picks because it's a lot of times only there's a very very small percentage of betters that are in these contests that are sharp bettors and um they're always looking for you know that edge and and what people may not be betting to you know kind of get up in the standings but um for me it's looking at er- uh, underdogs early on and then maybe after week 5 or 6 then maybe when you know the favorites are catching back up i think that's where you kind of want to look but um you know like you mentioned sandwich spots look ahead spots uh team going into a bye week team's coming off of a bye week If a player, or sorry, if a team is playing a team that's coming out of the bye week, you know, there's there's stats out there looking at you know how they're doing coming off of a bye week. How does that coach do historically? Yeah, yeah. So you know, those are some of the things that I kind of do look at when I'm when I'm betting. And obviously, you do want to wait till the last possible second to put in your picks because again, injuries are a big part of any sport, and especially in the NFL, right? Because the injury reports come out so late. So. Um, you know, those are the type of things that, especially when I'm in these contests that I'm looking out for.
4: Okay. So if you see something you really like on Wednesday, you'll, you'll mostly hold off
0: on that. Yeah. So like when they put out the lines on for, at least for the contest, um, those lines are locked in. Like they're not going to move. So if you're like, uh, the, let's say the first, uh, game of the week, it's Bills minus one against the Rams and the contest comes out to a minus one. Those oh, are going to be it. quote unquote. Yeah. stale lines. Like they're not going to move. So, if you see that line start to move towards minus one and a half, minus minus two. Now you in the contest, you have a bills minus one sitting there that you probably are gonna to want to pick because you have a you know the line has moved either you know in your in your direction where you want to bet on that bills minus one in in the in the contest. If you see what I'm saying,
4: yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right, John, we can talk about Mitch Trubisky now because we're gonna get into some over-under stuff. Um <laughs> Let's start with your Houston Texans. Uh, the more I look into it, the more I think this team might be kind of good, especially for their division. I'm liking the Brandon Cooks overs and Davis Mills. I think they're both being underestimated. Brandon Cooks comes in every year. He catches 100 some balls. He puts up a thousand some yards. And every year he goes in the fifth round of fantasy drafts. <laughs> and people just think Davis Mills is is a dud like they didn't bother to watch him play last year i don't think
0: nope yeah and, and you're absolutely 100% correct about Brandon Cooks you know when i when i did the uh Texans preview with Sean and Ryan i gave out uh Brandon Cooks over on his um on his receiving yards the two seasons that he's been with the Houston Texans he's gone over 1000 yards and i think the last number i saw posted uh on draftkings actually was 900 900- Uh, 15 and a half receiving yards for Brandon cooks. They're not going to have John Mechie this year that they drafted because he is dealing with some, um, um, medical um, things. Yeah. So hopefully we're wishing him a speedy recovery and he's, he's in the best city in the world with the best medical facility. So, uh, you know, hopefully he's, you know, able to, you know, take care of that and, and, you know, be back on, um, the football field whenever he is ready. So I think that kind of creates value for their, for, for Brandon cooks. And he's been one of the more consistent guys, as far as catching passes and and getting over this number. He's been in the C, uh um sorry, he's been in the NFL uh, league now for about I want to say eight years, and he's gone over a thousand yards and I think about six of those uh seasons. So Eric, like you said, he's an automatic one thousand uh receiving type of uh receiver, and he also can get over those receptions as well. And and to your point about Davis Mills, look, everything that I've been reading out of training camp for the Houston Texans um they're high on this guy he's having great practices and we saw it last season where I believe he threw for 2,800 yards if I'm not mistaken um did Davis Mills and I right now I think I saw his passing yardage at 3,700 and a half so I'm sorry he threw for 2,600 yards last season that was in 11 games that he started so everything that I'm reading out of Texans camp um they're they're high on uh Davis Mills and if he pans out we have a lot of draft capital to build around him especially with the trade that we made uh with uh, to the Cleveland Browns for uh Deshaun Watson the draft capital we did get back so yeah those two guys you nailed it I I really like those guys coming to the season for the Texans
4: looking like a better and better deal all the time for the Houston Texans Um <laughs> I was high on, the, to stay in the AFC, I was really excited about the Indianapolis Colts. I thought, you know, Pittman's going to catch some balls. Mo Alley-Cox is finally going to break out. They got Jonathan Taylor, you know. But I didn't. I listened to Sean and Ryan talk about him today, and I'm pretty worried that now Matt Ryan could be a Fitz-type situation with those tackles. He could take a shot early in the season and just be done, and that on, that under could cruise to the finish line.
0: I actually did like, I really do like the Colts coming into the season because, especially in the AFC South, like you mentioned, because the Texans, you know, their win total is to at four and a half. Um, you know, they're, they're probably going to have another top five pick this year, which we're not mad about. We're, you know, we're still years away from actually, you know, contending. Um, and the other team is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. They may improve to, you know, their win total, I think is sitting at six and a half, seven, depending on the book. But, you know, I, I just don't, I don't think that it's going to take. It's going to take another year or two for, you know, Doug Peterson and, and Trevor Lawrence to kind of find what they want to do on offense. I, I do think Trevor Lawrence will improve. It's going to be a two-horse race between, obviously, the Titans and the Colts. And I think that num- one thing in my mind, I feel like we're kind of undervaluing, is the pure upgrade at the quarterback position from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan. Last season, Carson Wentz was bottoms in the league in a lot of the accuracy categories, whether it was 10-yard passes, 15-yard passes, 20-yard passes – the interceptions weren't there as much for Carson Wentz as we're used to, but we saw some of those boneheaded plays that he would make down the stretch in the fourth quarter or near the goal line, whether he was trying to throw it with the left hand or trying to do something acrobatic and get into the end zone and just ended up fumbling the football. Um, but I think when you bring in a guy like Matt Ryan, who's far, I think, definitely a far better quarterback, a lot more accurate. The things that I've been reading from the training camp, at least from the receivers, is that. They had, weren't used to, you know, having the ball there on time and and being that accurate from Matt Ryan, and they do have one of the better offensive lines in the in the league. So I, I do think that this is going to be a year for Frank Reich and that that coaching staff to you know make a move or to really you know win games and get the division title. I think right now they are the odds-on favor to win the division in the AFC South, but I'm high on this team. I I, I feel like they can upgrade a little bit at that wide receiver position. But when you do have a guy like Jonathan Taylor in your backfield, I don't think you have much to worry about. And the defense, I think, is going to be good as well for, uh, for this team.
4: Camp reports are telling me Paris Campbell is playing great. I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah, they, yeah, get, and they it got it. It might
0: a be a quarterback team. thing too, yeah. right? When you bring in a guy like Matt Ryan. So uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm high on this team coming in uh, this year. I think that's the one, one team I do disagree with about Sean and Ryan. You brought up Trevor
4: Lawrence. I think we could see him take a real step if, If you separate his Urban Meyer career, um, his first 13 games with Urban Meyer, nine touchdowns, 14 picks, uh, QB rating of 68.9, and only 58% completions. Hashtag not good. His last four games, uh, three touchdowns, three picks, but his QB rating jumped to 82 and change. And then week 18 versus the Colts, who needed that game to get in, he had his best game yet with a rating of 11.8 or 111.8, two touchdowns, no picks. So maybe it was coaching. Did you, <laughs> I heard this today on sports grid um, week 14, the Jags ran a fourth and inches play that didn't work out after the game. Reporters were asking the coaches why they didn't run a sneak. They said, because we don't have one in the playbook. We haven't practiced it. <laughs> it's what December. Like, <laughs> what an absolute shit show that was, I mean, it has, Wait, to be- was
2: that the infamous, uh, Trevor doesn't know it. That's what urban Meyer said. And then Trevor said, no, I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was one instance where, where he, that happened. Um, I am really excited to see what Trevor Lawrence does. I mean, this is how bad of a coach do you have to be to bury a generational talent like that? Even in the news cycle where everybody's talking about it all the time. I don't hear too much about Trevor Lawrence, and here, he's probably one of the best prospects we've ever seen at quarterback. So I'm excited to see what he does this year.
0: No, I was just going to say, I think uh, similar to the situation from Carson Wentz to 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 Matt Ryan, I think they have a similar coaching situation from going from from Urban Meyer to to Doug Peterson. I know Doug Peterson, uh, he won the Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. But I, I think just just having an adult in the room is going to make all the difference in the world for Trevor Lawrence.
4: Word around the campfire is Mitch is not doing well, John. He uh, he went 0 for 16 in a drill and is connected on just three of 20 reps throughout all of camp. I am formulating a Kenny Pickett rookie of the year theory. I think Trubisky comes out week one, sucks. Week two, week three, no improvement. Then they put the kid in week four against the Jets. He wins that game. Tomlin and he bond together fight back to like 11 and six sneak into the playoffs rookie of the year and then i looked and he's the favorite i can't believe kenny pickett is the favorite <laughs>
2: wait what about what you just said makes you think he's not the favorite
4: <laughs> <laughs> he's not the starter there's yeah, guys who are well, starting week one
2: mitch trubisky uh i mean he started off on the wrong foot not his own fault but just He's, it's kind of a sad story. I mean, he's been nervous guy at the podium, all this pressure on him when he's really just not that good. He's, he's probably a solid backup if he was put in the right positions, but he's just not that good. And so I don't know if you've ever listened to a press conference with him, but he sounds like a, a sixth grader who didn't do his book report and has to make something up on the spot. <laughs> so I I can see him not excelling, in Pittsburgh, I think he's going to have a short leash. I think the, the genius minds and the coaching staff are going to be able to weed out pretty quick whether that dog will hunt or not. And I think they're going to find out, sadly, that he can't. And Kenny Pickett will come in with no pressure, slinging, and could find himself having a pretty successful season.
4: The Bears really put an immense amount of pressure on him when they traded up to get him and they drafted this kid out of North Carolina and nobody had ever heard of. And then that was all we talked about. And then congratulations for the rest of your career, you'll be compared to Patrick Mahomes. So good luck. <laughs> I kind of feel for him, but I did think, I just thought Tomlin saw something. Like this kid's got to have something in the tank or something that can be unlocked. They didn't just sign shitty Mitch Trubisky, but I'm starting to think that that maybe they painted themselves into a corner and that's exactly what they did.
2: Yeah, and they took a flyer on him cuz he's a pretty good athlete but I think that's kind of where um, the high expectations come from and that's where it's it's just not going to pan
0: out. <laughs> so is John the Bears fan then? Yep. Yes. Oh okay. John
4: is the Bears fan. Angela is a fan of most teams. I give her shit about it all the she time. She likes She's the Vikings. A fan of basically every team in the NFC North
3: um, the Rams now because they have Matt Stafford, yeah, right? Yeah. I assume <laughs> you're right. And I was raised a Viking fan, so that's a little painful. But we we power through it. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> she said pretty much nailed Packers it.
4: She hates it's the fans.
0: <laughs> so the oh, one thing I have to say about got? this whole um, betting
3: thing that I'm learning quite a bit actually, and my dad always told oh good, would you write that? Down? Um, and I've always told my friends that you should never bet on football because it's a funny shaped ball. Uh, But if anybody is going to, now I know (laughs) where to direct them towards. I won't be giving out advice, but I know where to find it. And now I'm going to learn something.
2: So while we were on the subject, uh, I'm curious what your take is as an unbiased, not NFC North fan of uh, the Bears. What insight you might have, if any?
0: I feel like... I I, I really want to see Justin. You have permission to hurt my feelings. I really want to see Justin Fields be a good quarterback in the, in the NFL, because there's this, there's this, um, I guess stigma or lack for a better words that Ohio state quarterbacks just don't do very well in the NFL. And, and now, you know, I mean, there was flashes last season where we saw it where Justin Fields, you know, looked like a great quarterback and, now, you know, the, the problem is with a lot of these young quarterbacks is they go through so many different coaches that it's there's things that are always changing from them. So hopefully there's some stability at the head coaching position now for the Chicago Bears, but um, I, I I don't think that they'll be very good this year. And I think my question for you, John, is I have really concerns about the offensive line for, for, this, oh, yeah. for, this, um, for this Bears team. And if I'm not mistaken, the coach that they brought in is a more defensive-minded head coach. Mm-hmm.
2: Olin yeah. ain't
0: DC walking through from that the Colts.
2: Door. Well, yeah. Olin Cruetz <laughs> was offered like like a McDonald's gift card to come in and work with them and he said piss off. So he's not coming in anytime soon. Um no, I I mean you're you're right. The offensive line is is not good, but our GM Ryan Poles is a former offensive line guy, so he knows the value of it. We've seen a lot of quiet moves at the offensive line. I want to say last week there were like four moves just with the offensive line and I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know who those people were because I don't I don't know offensive linemen but you know the thing that I've kind of picked up on is it seems like some of the more more intelligent more savvy GMs make quiet moves that make a big impact and and I think it starts from the inside out you know with a quarterback interior linemen and then out to the wide receivers and I think Poles is slowly plotting his way through turning over a roster. I don't think it's as bad as when Tressman left and that was abysmal. uh, And John Fox literally showed up and was like, what the hell? And then, you know, uh, I I don't think, I don't think our former coach and GM were as bad as they get credit for, but it wasn't a good lineup that they had. So I think it'll probably be two years before we are dangerous, but We've got some time with with fields. Uh, no one's expecting to win the NFC North this year. I think this year it's just about being competitive and showing like we actually have a game plan. Because if you watch the Bears in the last couple of years, it was so maddening to watch something where it's like we've got a very limited skilled quarterback that you're trying to throw calculus at and he's still trying to learn how to add and subtract. And so what I think we will see success as a Bears as bears fans, when we see that our coach has a very clear vision for what the team is and our game plan actually aligns with that GM and head coach working together to actually try to succeed rather than doing their own separate things and trying to be the smartest guy in the room when they're really just trying to overcompensate for the fact that they haven't achieved anything.
0: And it's consistency, right? Consistency, right? That's like where, you know, teams that are trying to get, you know, be in contention again, like the Texans in the front office, you know, and the GM, just when we had Bill O'Brien, there was just a disconnect on what the vision was from the owner to the GM down to the coach. And that's where it kind of, you know, went up in flames for the Texans because they had Deshaun Watson. They had J.J. Watt. They had DeAndre Hopkins. And just it was just when you give too much responsibility to a head coach of being the GM and, you know, running a football <laughs> team, it gets too much. I- for irony in the fact that
2: your head coach and GM are the same person and there was a disconnect that kind of it's that's that's saying a lot for bill o'brien
0: <laughs> and it, it's crazy because you know the plays that he did come up with on the field on the offensive side they weren't bad like you know the offense was pretty good with deshaun watson but when you trade away De- deandre hopkins who we can say is a top five top six wide receiver in the league for a bag of chips when you didn't even net a first round pick for a guy like deandre hopkins that just kind of tells you a lot about bill o'brien but yeah again for the bears it's just finding that consistency with you know with, with the new GM, with the new head coach, and and hopefully that they can develop you know and take their time with Justin Fields because you know uh, and there's opportunity in that division now because we don't know how many years Aaron Rodgers actually has left with the with the Green Bay Packers or if he's going to be there after this year. I know he on that extension, but we're we're in a sports world now where players it's a players' league, whether it's NBA, whether it's NFL, and they'll go where they want to end up. So there's a lot of contracts opportunity. are I mean,
2: all theoretical.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, they'll sign a contract for the money, but it's not the contract. The contract is there for the money, but it's not a contract for you to play for that organization, you know. Um, and Sean Watson did that as well with the Houston Texans. So I, I think, yeah, you're right. The Bears are probably a year or two away, um, you know, at least competing in the division.
2: Yeah, and now we've got a connection with Houston. Uh, probably the best Bears coach to ever get fired. You got him down, Lovey Smith, down in uh, Houston. I
0: love that hire. Yeah. And players love him too. I mean, you know, as soon as the hire was made, um, you know, this past off season, we saw a lot of tweets from players at how excited they were to play with this guy. And um, it's going to be fun. He's a defensive minded guy and we have Pep Hamilton as the offensive coordinator. So it, it, the expectations we as fans coming in, it's not really high, but it's just going to be fun to see the developmental, uh, the faces of, you know, guys that we did draft and the young quarterbacks and players that we do have in this organization.
4: It's not a bad strategy for the bears anyway to, To bide their time while, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he could take some ayahuasca and get lost and not even find the stadium next year. Or end up on a commune. You know, you might as well. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you may as well. It's sort of like when the Cubs were going on that run and the Brewers weren't very good. It's like, well, we may as well suck now because we're not going anywhere anyway. You know? (laughs) But Yeah, you might be the next Con Air. Who knows? (laughs) Yeah. That guy, I mean anything's possible now that he's hooked up with Pat McAfee and Joe Rogan, who knows what he's gonna do.
0: Yeah. All right. We've had you here about an hour. I suppose we should oh, I have nothing going on for the evening. You guys, if you have <laughs> you need me, I'm here, guys. <laughs> All right. Moon, off. you're the best.
4: Again. Wait, go I got subscribe. one question for um yes.
0: NBA. Yeah. Nobody
2: here wants to talk NBA. That's right. With me. Uh what do you what do you think of uh
0: Speaking of Levine, what do you think of the Bulls signing him for the Max? I think that if some team was going to end up paying, you know, Zach Levine max money, you know, he's just that type of player. You know, he's a guy that can go out and every single night, you know, put up thirty shots, but he'll get you twenty five, twenty-six points per night. Um, but you know, early on in the season last year, Chicago, it it worked for, for, uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan, he was playing at an MVP level. A lot of people don't want to admit that, but he was playing great basketball, uh, between him and Zach Levine. And it was just about them last year. I was really high on this team. I actually took my best bet last year. It was the Chicago bulls win total to go over. and, And it did, you know, they ended, they were hovering around that close to that number one seed. I know they had a bad second half of the year. But, um, you know, they've put a roster together. You know, they they got Lon- – I know Lonzo Ball missed a lot of the year. Uh, uh, Alex Caruso missed a lot of the year. But those are two solid defensive guys. Thanks to the Bucs. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that you have in your backcourt. And then when you have, you know, scores like Zach Levine and, and you know, DeMar DeRozan, you have Usovich up front. Patrick Williams will be back this year as well. So uh, this is a good young team that they have uh, over there in Chicago. So I would be excited. I mean, it's not a lot young, but you do have – You have veterans like DeMar DeRozan, like I mentioned, but, you know, Zach Levine, some team was going to pay him. And I'm I'm glad to see that Chicago did pay him, that he he gets a stay in Chicago.
2: Yeah. I was a little indifferent on it because I thought, you know, it seems like a little bit of a premium for him having watched him over the last, uh, you know, however many years, three, four years. Uh, So it was kind of tough, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of like, well, who else are we going to get for that price? um, That's out in the market. Yeah. It was just such a topic that I think uh, it it took on a life of its own in Chicago. And will we sign Willie? Not will we not? Uh, I'm glad they did. Um, I do think it's overpriced, but hopefully he plays into it, and it's not one of those situations where he he gets his money and now he kind of cruises because that would that's the opposite of what we need. We need all the all the guys on the especially in the front court to be healthy.
0: Yeah. And like you mentioned, I mean, that was just his market price. Like that was just a, what the market yeah. was. Somebody was going to pay him in. and and you know, uh, you know, for Chicago, he's still a young, you know, still a young player. He does battle those mm-hmm. knee injuries, but he's still young. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, he'll play up to the contract. So now he's paid now I can just go out and play basketball in Chicago. So yeah, I would be yeah. excited to, you know, with DeMar DeRozan still there and you get Lonzo and AC back and, you mm-hmm. know, Vucevic, like I mentioned, um, it's it's going to be a good squad.
2: Yeah, I think so too. The second half really left a bad taste in our mouth, and then not showing up at all in the playoffs was pretty bad. But I'm trying to turn yeah. the page at and have all. some optimism.
0: Not even a yeah. little. It was
2: embarrassing. It was, I turned it off.
0: Yeah, I mean, DeMar DeRozan had great games, but like that, that's that, that at that time, that's where you need, you know, Zach Levine to step up. And, and they, I think that uh, point where they missed, you know, a guy like Lonzo Ball as well. So, um, you know, going into next season, I you know I haven't seen their win total yet, but, uh, you know, it's going to be a competitive uh, conference, especially in the East where where there's just so many good teams. You know, West has faltered a little bit, but you know, health has a lot to do with it. Um, and then they're, they're going to bring back a healthy squad. So, you know, I, I'd be excited as a Bulls fan.
4: Back to NFL 13 and 0 on unders. I mean, I'd be I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask if you had a couple season-long player prop unders that you just love?
0: Yeah, so I'll give you the ones that we did. um, uh, We just did the AFC North preview for uh, the season-long player props, and um, I just kind of slip in my mind right now what I did actually bed. Actually, I do. So uh, I actually took Nick Chubb to go under his rushing touchdowns. Uh, Right now it's listed at 10.5 over on DraftKings. Um, This is his fifth season coming into – Uh, The NFL and three out of the four years that uh, he's been in the NFL, he's actually had exactly eight touchdowns. He had one year where he did get twelve touchdowns, but I think the difference for me this year is that you bring in a quarterback like Deshaun Watson. Now we don't know, we don't, we know the NFL actually appealed. You know the the suspension that was handed down to him, Um, so it might be obviously might be longer. But right now we know it's at six minimum, but. Uh, you bring in a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, you don't you don't bring him in just to hand the ball off to guys like Nick, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, right? But Nick Chubb, we know he's going to get the yardage on the ground. For me, it was just I, I just like his um, his rushing yards to go under. Sorry, his uh, rushing touchdowns to go under. He's only gotten to double digits once in his four years. You also have Kareem Hunt in, in the in the backfield as well, and I feel like they use Kareem Hunt more in the red zone versus Nick Chubb. Um, so that was one of the ones that I did like the under on was ten and a half on Nick Chubb's rushing touchdowns. Um, the other one, I took an under on, um, I, 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 let me, let me see if I can look it up, but I did take one over. I'll, I'll tell you that much. I, I took, um, and, and this is probably a hot take. I actually took Lamar Jackson's passing yards to actually go over this season. That surprised and, me.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you no, know, last season, if you kind of look at what Lamar Jackson was doing in the passing game, before he left for the injury, he missed the final five games of the regular season. He was at two thousand eight hundred and eighty-two passing yards through twelve games, and you know he left with an ankle injury. And didn't have much of a running game last year either. There, there are two guys who are still going to start the season on the uh, on the on the pup list for the Ravens, but this is the contract year for um, Lamar Jackson, so he's he's playing for that contract. Um, so I feel like there's going to be a transition where we see from last year where they're going to be throwing the ball more uh you know you have mark andrews who had a career year you have you know rashad Bateman, who's going to be the number one quarterback and last season he i and my co-host rod told me that he didn't have a season where or a game where he threw less than either 230 yards or 200 yards so if he's able to play 15 to 16 games i i would not be shocked if he gets over this number of 3550 and a half uh passing yards i know he does he hasn't done it in his career since he's been in the league, but I just feel like this is going to be one of those years where the Baltimore Ravens, you know, led by Lamar Jackson is going to have a great year. Also got down on Lamar Jackson and win MVP this year as well.
4: Yeah. He's betting on himself. He seems like the kind of guy that would be fine rolling into the season. Like, okay, you want the price to go up? The price can go up and then just go ball out for the entire season. And then, you know, now get the checkbook out. You didn't want to pay me before.
0: (laughs) And now Kyler Murray has kind of set that um, he's set the market number now, and you know Lamar Jackson is probably uh, smiling from ear to ear because he knows he's oh, a yeah. much better um, quarterback than is of uh, I'm sorry of uh, Kyler Murray.
4: Yeah, Lamar's like, how many MVPs does Kyler have again? How many playoff <laughs> wins? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, then make that number bigger. Maybe add a zero. All right, guys. We got to get out of here again. Go subscribe to the prop cast. Moon off has some great co-hosts on that show as well. Rod via Gomez, probably your number one rival for nicest guy. Um, and Dan <laughs> Titus, who's just an absolute pro great voice, great cadence, great angles. Well, that's not to love about these guys. Oh, man.
0: No, oh, thank you guys for having me. This was a lot of fun. Uh, talking to you guys, just kicking back and talking about sports, but, um, Yeah, NFL season's here, so uh, I think everybody's excited. But thanks for having me on. Like you said, uh, come subscribe to the PropCast, uh, MLB Gambling Podcast. NBA will be firing up. Just check out the uh, Sports Gambling Podcast Network. a lot of great things happening. And I'll say this. I haven't said this to anybody yet, but I'll drop it on your uh, podcast. A very, very special announcement coming from SGPN tomorrow. Ooh, Mm -hmm. tomorrow.
4: Yeah, I'm excited. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. If you've come this far, you owe me a review. That's just how it works. Give us five stars on Spotify, Apple, whatever platform you're docking this pirate ship in and write some words in there, whatever you want. I won't tell you how to live your life. Munov just said he had fun. That's our goal. Everybody comes on here. They have fun. Maybe maybe say you had fun. Type that in there. The ratings aren't for my self-esteem. You can't possibly fix that. They help the show immensely, though, and that's why I come to you every day like a vacuum salesman at the end of the episode, asking if you enjoyed my demonstration and if you'd be willing to get involved. Follow us on the social medias. every once in a while we say something clever and you'll see new episodes as they're released or you can tell me to go fuck myself. Whatever you want to do. Again, it's your life. That's it. That's all. Until next time, be good to each other. Chris is not here to kick the outro music.